Hello, welcome back to Everyday Being with me, Gareth Evans, and my dear friend, Steve Knight. Hello, Steve. Hi, Gareth. How are you this evening? Yeah, I'm top banana, mate. Yeah, very good. How yeah. about you? Yeah, no, good. <clears throat> yeah, very good. Feels like Christmas is coming, and I don't know about you, but we're starting to think about decorations and Christmas trees and all that sort of stuff. Sorry, I just glanced at the date. The whole fourteenth of November, and then it's like feels like okay, it's not that far away now, is it? No, it's not far away at all. Well, good, a good, a good early planner. Somebody was taking the mick out of me last week because um, I didn't know what I was doing on New Year's Eve, and I thought no. that I thought most people don't plan New Year's Eve. Turns out, apparently, everyone to, but knows exactly what they're doing New Year's Eve, and oh. I was in the minority. Oh, I'm with you. I don't. Um, but my son, he went to a garden centre that does a really good <clears throat> sort of Christmas. Um, you know, they half the store is is sort of set aside for Christmas stuff. And he went on Sunday and he said it was packed. There's loads of stuff there. Um, and he said, I said, oh, is it really? And he said, yeah, there were like loads of people. So, yeah, I think people have already started to get, you know, get in the swing of it. I mean, man, you can watch Christmas movies and listen to uh, Christmas <laughs> radio stations from about August onwards, can't you? So, uh, you know, I, I think there's plenty of people out there who will be well into it. Well, Val um, and I went for a bit. We were meeting um, my daughter and her boyfriend. Um, and so we were having to drive. It's about a 50 minute drive. And <clears throat> I said, oh, should we put the radio on or some music? And uh, Val said, oh, come on, let's put some Christmas music on. <laughs> <laughs> So all the way there and all the way back, we listened to Christmas music, <laughs> <laughs> which is quite nice, actually. Yeah, there yeah. we are. Look at you getting into it early. Weirdly, we don't start till about mid-December because uh, uh, it's uh, it was just been Florence's birthday. It's my birthday, early December. It's our wedding anniversary in early December. It's a, a, a friend's got a. a birthday party and it's a big 50th birthday party this year and also i've got the valencia marathon in the early early december as well so we've got all these things coming yeah. up that kind <laughs> of like a big blocker to looking at, at christmas really so yeah. it's kind of like get all those things done and prepared and then you go into it really yeah, so right. uh it's not a it's not a sort of like a i don't know scrooge or resistance to christmas thing it's just <laughs> actually you, you know there's only a finite amount of brain space oh, yeah. brain, brain space to put in things in there yeah. Uh, right, we're going to do something that we've not done before, which uh, we're going to be interested to see how it goes. Uh, our last episode was about conflict, and both Steve and I reflected on the conversation, which was a good, you know, good full conversation that we had, decent uh, content, hopefully loads of uh, practical stuff, um, but we also felt that there was more to cover. So actually, this episode of Everyday Being, our guide to the happiness within, actually is conflict part two. And what we're trying to do tonight is we'd want to think a bit more around conflict, but ideally to give you a couple of ways, a couple of models, a couple of thoughts that will be highly pragmatic, we hope, that will just help you navigate conflict. So we talked a lot in the episode last time round about our sense of being and how we approach different conflict situations. We talked about some sort of lovely models, maybe more on a sort of a spiritual uh, basis, um, certainly yeah, Byron Katie's uh, model around whose business I think was something that particularly landed 
with me. But what we thought it was, there was a bit more room to talk about some pragmatic models. So we've got about three or four things, I think, Steve, just that we thought we'd, we'd cover. Don't know how long it's going to take, how long we're going to cover it for. Um, we'll see where the energy goes. It might be something that's uh, short and succinct, or actually it might be a normal length episode for everyday being. But this is Conflict Part 2. Steve, over over to you. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, like you said, we were reflecting on it. And one of the reflections I had, I was running a leadership program last week with a number of people over a sort of three days. And, um, you know, conflict was coming out of the, the various conversations. This is people in sort of leadership roles. And um, it was interesting because it, it just reflected that because your, you know, life, we're always... Um, you know, we're always in relationship to to people, either people in our personal life or people in our professional life or just in day to day life. Actually, you know, you think about how many situations you're in where it's it, it, the relationship is part of the way that you're operating, whether that's a transaction when you're buying something or like I mentioned, you know, if you're working with people or sort of in your personal life. Um, so it, I guess it's just really coming home actually how much how challenging that can be sometimes in terms of just um you know navigating just the the, the everyday of life really the sort of day-to-day -day interactions of life so um yeah I thought maybe a couple of models to talk about and how they can be used um so I guess one that <clears throat> and I was sharing this last week is that um quite often I think, you know, we've mentioned before about um, sort of expectations that 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 we might have when we go into particular situations. And I think another factor that often is at play is that the people can have different intentions for something. And so if you look at the sort of relationship between intention, behavior and impact, that's quite a helpful way to sort of think about a particular interaction with someone so you've got what's the intention of both parties what's the behavior that both parties are um, exhibiting and then what's the impact that that behavior has um, and it, it, I, you know I came across that years ago and it was, it's really helpful actually because I think what you notice with that is that we judge ourselves by our intention so in our mind, and we often even say it in language, we say, you know, if we upset someone, we will often say, oh, God, I'm really sorry. That wasn't my intention. <laughs> so we we judge ourselves by our intention that then creates a certain behavior and then creates a certain impact on someone. But of course, the other person judges us by the impact that we have on them through the behavior. So quite often you sort of see that there's a mismatch between the intention and the impact. And <clears throat> it can be often when you're in a situation where there's a real difficulty between two people, it can often be really helpful to go back and explore that, go back and explore what was the, what was the intention of both parties in this, in this situation? Or if you find yourself 
working with someone and you just notice there's just something that's not quite working in the interaction. You know, we always seem to be at slight cross purposes with each other or <clears throat> perhaps we have a different style and approach that seems to sort of grate. What can be really helpful is to be more explicit about what the intention is between, between both, both parties. So that you start to have a conversation about <clears throat> what's, if we're working together, let's just be more upfront about um, what our intention is as we as we as we're working together. Or and you can even take it a step further. I think we've mentioned before about expectations and agreements. So sometimes it can be. <clears throat> what's what's your expectation in the way that we work together? What is it you're looking for in the way that we sort of work together? And, you know, you can see things like some people are very structured and very organised and very planned and very timely. And then someone else is a bit more sort of go in the flow, take as, as it comes. And so you can even see that sometimes, that that's just different styles and approaches they have a different intention in the way that they work together or different expectations about how to get things done. And it can be really helpful just to um, bring those out, get them on the table and say, oh, right, OK, look, we're, we're at slight cross purposes here. Let's let's form an agreement about how we might work more effectively together. So that's when you take it then into the agreement. I was working with somebody recently who's, who's struggling a bit with their line manager and there'd been a sort of a recent incident where the line manager got very frustrated and critical of the, of the person I was working with performance and said, you should have done this and should have, should have done, done that. And, and actually that sort of expectation uh, that they were sort of saying there was ne that was never clear whatsoever uh, I, for all intents and purposes, I thought I'd done everything I possibly could in this situation. Mm. Uh, I didn't know the things that you were bringing up what was uh, was a problem. And, and we were talking about that sort of being clear on the expectations that that you, that you have for each each other. Because uh, too often we almost think that it is a one-way street, that it's about the, the boss or, you know, in this situation being clear about with the individual about how they work or what the brief is on a particular assignment but i was encouraging there of no no it's absolutely a two-way street you must be clear the other way as well and you know whilst there is a subordinate relationship there actually it is really really important to it mm. um what was interesting as well in the conversation i was having was that um they had to some extent brought it up um and the 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 person I was working with had followed through on some things. So they were talking about regular reports. You know, I need to the, the line manager said these are the important things that I need to know. And the individual had, had religiously sent through this information. Um and then it became clear after a while that actually the information wasn't being read. Now what hadn't happened that is situation what I and I certainly encouraged was you've got to check in on these things so once you've set these expectations for for one another actually revisited them and saying yeah how, how am I doing against what you said what could I do differently what could I improve also 
how do you, how do you think you're doing on the expectations that I, I I've uh, set originally as well, and entering that discussion and looking for if appropriate and in the right way feedback of one another. But I think it's I think there is that. Uh, just to echo the point, absolutely really important. And that is a decent example where you, you know, you haven't got those expectations clear and it can lead to mismanagement, but also the importance then of reviewing it and saying, okay, so based on that, what has my contribution been and what do we need to do going forward? Yeah. Yeah. And I think for me, that's an example of moving it from an expectation to, to an agreement and like yeah. you said, then it becomes something that becomes your reference point about how you're working together. And it just encourages a more sort of adult to adult conversation. Um, because I, I, I certainly experience a lot where I think there's a lot of assumptions made about expectations as well. That's why I sort of don't, I know people use it and you can use it in different ways, but I, I sort of don't like the phrase because it it can feel um it can feel very nebulous anyway it and it it can i think often people that live with lots of expectations if those expectations get met it's sort of neutral because you sort of yeah someone i was speaking to today she said yeah it's like it's zero i said yeah in a way it's like it's just like well that's just what i expected yeah. But for most people, when they live with a lot of expectations, they invariably end up disappointed. Quite often at themselves, actually, <laughs> not meeting their own expectations and other people not meeting them. And I think quite often I see in a lot of the work I do where people have unrealistic expectations of themselves, mm. which they then beat themselves up about. Yes. So I think it's much more helpful to, which I think is what you're alluding to really in a way, Gareth, you're saying, well, let's just be clear about what the outcome is. What is it that you're taking responsibility for? What is it that I'm taking responsibility for? Um, you know, is that working for you? Do we need to change it? You, you know, you're, it becomes a much more conversation about a tangible deliverable or a tangible outcome or a tangible goal that just encourages more of that, you know, that, like I said, that adult to adult sort of, conversation and then if you if you know if 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 that agreement is broken or it's not being met you you can then talk about that let's just talk about the agreement we have with each other um and it's sort of a different it has a different tone you know when then when someone says well you didn't meet my expectations it sort of that almost feels a bit like you know talking down to someone yeah, yeah, so, it's parent-child there, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, a little bit more so, I think. So, um, and I think it's just amazing how you know, a lot. I do a lot of work with people that are, you know that are really high performers and work in an organisation that's very demanding, and it's so interesting how that there's a lot of assumptions that are made about what's what the expectations are and they're never they're often not checked out and and quite often then when people start to check them out they realize they're not quite what they thought they were which then i think gives well one it gives more clarity but also then it, it gives you more opportunity to sort of take ownership for yourself and how you're being and 
um, how you're going about delivering what you're delivering because you're really clear in your own mind as to you know what what different how different people work and how often the the agreements between different even different people that you might be doing work for might be quite different because they work in very different ways so rather than make a blanket assumption you start to get much more specific like, oh when i work for this person <clears throat> you know they like to be really kept informed the whole time as to what happens this person over here really doesn't want to know unless there's a problem and it means yeah. oh well, that's great because that's really clear i can make sure that i'm doing working with this person in this way and i'm working with that person in a different way um and it sort of just you know cleans things up for the individual yeah, yeah. and it will vary person in person isn't it and that's why i think it's important that we have these regular conversations and make these agreements yeah i i I think that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think it's, you know, it's really interesting how <clears throat> we 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 do have expert without even really realizing it. We have expectations. That, oh, so it's absolutely. quite natural, you know, that. Yeah. I don't know. You know, you just go into a shop and you have an expectation about how you're going to be served or whatever it might be. So it's saying that's quite a natural part of life, really. Um and and very often it doesn't cause us any problems or difficulties. It's just sometimes where there's clearly you can see there's a problem between a group of people or an individual an individual. This is where actually getting that much clearer then becomes something that's um, you know really important. Otherwise, it just sort of festers in the background and sort of causes you know causes more problems in the future yeah yeah okay. any other thoughts on that one no i don't think so um, <clears throat> and the other thing that's just coming to my mind then is i can't remember i didn't think we mentioned this last time but sometimes the the resentment sort of build up then Maybe we did mention that actually, but sometimes if you're in a relationship and you feel like things aren't, yeah, we did you, you become sort of super sensitive then, and <clears throat> and it and things get worse, and you read even more into their behaviour and what they're doing and what they're not doing, and you tend to sort of find things, you know, get worse over time. Yeah, so sometimes yeah. where just cleaning this up quite quickly means that you don't build up those those sort of resentments. Yeah, we talked about like an explosion and think where where that where that comes from. Yeah, the sort of gun um, idea. Yeah, and and you know, and I think we touched on it a little bit is that you know it's got to come out somehow. If you know, and and I you know, it, it's better. To, it is if it's got to come out, it's better to come out when the impact is less. Yeah, yeah, and and we talked a little bit about the heart knowing as well, didn't we? And the compression and can. Uh, constriction and just, you, you, yeah. yeah you'll just you'll just know yeah if yeah. this is something important that needs to be said you'll know if it's yeah. if it's not important and you can move on and it's just you overthinking you'll know that too yeah 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 and another really simple model which i would um i think people have often found really helpful it's it's a <clears throat> model by a guy called james flaherty who was a who was an executive coach and it was 
he was trying to look at what what are the qualities in a really effective relationship and you know you can look at various things but he said but often three qualities really come through and i i certainly find this when you ask people about what are some of the qualities in relationships and the three qualities i identified was trust respect and freedom to express freedom to express and <clears throat> he drew them as a triangle because he said they they tend to influence each other and so he said, to, and then if you look at a really effective relationship, you would say, well, there's mutual trust, mutual respect and mutual freedom to express. And he then took that further and goes, which is quite challenging because he, he was saying, well, if it's mutual, of course, you can't control what's really going on with the other with the other party, which then can feel like, oh, crikey, what, what, what do I do? What do I do with that? Because I can't control how much the other person trusts me or respects me or how open they are, the freedom to express. <laughs> and I think he had a really lovely insight, which was, oh, you have to go there first. You so be if, those, if those qualities are important yeah. then, and they're mutual, then the only thing you really got agency over is how much you demonstrate those with other people. Yeah, yeah. And <clears throat> he said, and what I really like with that model is that you can look at a relationship that you might be struggling with a little bit and you can pick one of those because they tend to reinforce each other. They can have a negative impact, but also a positive impact. You could look at those and go, well, which one do I feel I could work on with this person? Yeah, yeah. And if you do that, rather than think, God, I've got to tackle all three, you could just go, <clears throat> like, for example, well, could I be a bit more open with them? Are there some things I don't sort of talk about with them? So that freedom to express, could I could I take a bit more of a risk of talking about stuff that we we don't normally talk about, for example? Or respect, you know, because respect is really supposed to do with your respect for their way of thinking or their way of looking at perceiving the world for example and it might be that they look at the world in a different way to you so you feel like oh my god i can see they don't really respect my view and i don't respect their view so <clears throat> you could as an example get a bit more interested in well, why they look at the world in a different way? What's behind the fact that they look at it differently to me? And genuinely inquire into and get curious about, you know, how they see the world and what they're interested in and what they focus on. And that might be a way of just very genuinely showing um, that you're 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 respecting the fact that they see things differently, um, or it could just be trust. You know, where <clears throat> you perhaps if you're all over things that, that that they do or say or whatever, you could just let go a little bit, let go and accept a bit more and just trust that, you know, they're doing things in the way that they 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 want to do them and and just show that you're you're sort of OK with that. So it's quite a yeah. it's quite a practical yeah, I think it is. I think also it, it sort of strikes me that it's they're not. It's not 
yes or no, is it? It's about the level with which you are, isn't it? And, and as you rightly say, if, you, if you're asking yourself that pragmatic question, which one do I need to do a bit more with this individual? It is about do, do, do more, don't yeah. just do it in total. I think sort of, you know, I... It, it's really, it's certainly resonating with me that in you know look in in conversations where all those three things are in are in great strong presence they're great conversations aren't they they just sort of flow it is safe it's creative is there's lots of love there and also i can identify plenty of conversations where something is is missing and and probably i can think about things in there that um in each of those three parts that I've I've probably not not done enough or could have got an opportunity to do more (laughs) I certainly think actually sometimes I almost think that trust is one that people can people can smell can't they I think they've got an instinct of uh mm, I'm not this person's being guarded with me what's what what's going on and maybe that's freedom to express and they're not being open enough but i guess yeah. what is it that's driving that lack of uh honesty or whatever you know i i think that to some extent when you have got those situations where people are holding things back you almost can bring um you you, you, you bring things can be further away than actually bringing together and i guess in you know, in in political situations and in and in serious you know geopolitical conflict that we've got going on at the minute, you know, how the heck do you build trust in some of these things? That's that 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 need that needs to be carefully carefully managed. Yeah, and I think <clears throat> trust is an interesting one because I think where people get trapped, they'll say, "Oh yeah, you can't trust so and so," and it and often when you get behind it, it's no, you can't trust them to be you. You can't trust them to be like you. You can't trust them to think like you, to behave like you. And I think that's sometimes that's a bit of a mask that people have, which is that they, without realizing it, that's what they're really saying. Because actually, you can trust people to be who they are. <laughs> yeah. And that the more you you see that, then you deal with you you relate to them as they are rather than how you think they should be and i think that's a that's always a quite an interesting one where you say oh you can't trust so and so it's like is that true and then what when you get behind it you realize ah right okay because they don't do what you do or behave like you do that you feel you can't trust them and it's like no that's the wrong interpretation of of trust it's different more difference yeah yeah well i think also then related to that what's interesting is that if that in relationships if you're really present like really present really engaged have no need of that person to be different to who they are and they feel that they can feel that genuine connection and openness and presence. You literally develop their thinking because there's a real, there's, they're 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 so open. 
that you almost create like a generative space where they don't have to edit their thinking. Um, because often if, if you know someone thinks differently to you or you don't quite have that mutual trust, respect, openness, I think what happens over time is there's certain things that you just avoid in what you talk about. And you literally close down your thinking because you're thinking, well, I know Gareth's not really interested in this. And sometimes we've had a bit of a disagreement over that. So I won't talk about that because I don't want to get into a disagreement about that. So in a way, the person starts to narrow down their thinking in terms of what they feel they can say in this situation, what they feel might be acceptable to the other person. So in a way, you you unintentionally impoverish their thinking and their openness with you. So I think the key often is if you can be genuinely in that accepting space of allowing the person to be who they are, not having any need of them, you then find that the that what they talk to you about and what you see and understand about them, and even to the point where, you know, quite often someone will say, God, do you know, as I'm, as I'm sort of telling you this, I'm sort of realise, you know, and you can almost see sometimes people literally developing their thinking mm. as they're actually describing something yeah. to you because you're literally just holding that space yes for their thinking to emerge and because thinking isn't you know some thinking is based on the past but obviously fresh thinking is always available to us so i think sometimes if you really present that generative space means that just their presence with you that's a fresh moment in time and something new might emerge, something new that they've not thought about or expressed in a particular way sort of comes about. And I think sometimes we underestimate that, actually. I think that's much yeah. more significant than we we might realise. Yeah, I agree. And I love a There's a metaphor that George Pransky uses in his book, The Relationship Handbook, which is a fantastic book on yes, relationships and from a sort of three principles perspective and I was just sharing a story uh, one of the stories in there with someone I was coaching today <clears throat> um, around a challenge in a relationship and I love the the, the metaphor is that you know you're um, the, the couple are sat on the sofa they've got a nice fire going and um, you know the fire's roaring and there's a bit of warmth that's coming from it and then one of the individuals noticed there's a slight draft that that they can just feel and and they realize oh it's just it's just coming from the window and um and they think oh wouldn't it be nice if we didn't have that this heat's lovely but wouldn't it be nice if we didn't have this draft wouldn't it so they they get up and they go over and they look at the window and see oh yeah there's something there's a problem there something's broken so they, oh yeah, I just need a tool to be able to just go and fix that, you know, just fix that window. And then on the way out, they notice, oh yeah, there's a problem with another window actually, which actually while I'm doing that, I may as well get that one done. And then they go to the door and they go, oh yeah, look, the draft excluder is not, not um, working properly on the, on the door. So actually I could, I'll, 
I'll sort of repair the, the draft excluder as well. So anyway, go off, come back, and they sort all these various things out. And they come back to the sofa to enjoy their evening with their partner in the fire. The partner's gone to bed because, you know, it's all taken so long and the fire's gone out. So all the warmth is gone. <clears throat> and what he's saying is that's what people do with relationships is that yeah. rather than just enjoy the engagement, enjoy the moment, enjoy being with each other in the in the moment and enjoying the closeness and the and the heat from the feeling, the fire, they start to do running repairs. But wouldn't it be nice if, you know, if you could do a bit more of this or a bit less of that? And so they do these sort of running repairs on the relationship, not realizing that that just gradually takes the feeling and the warmth out and that connection. And if you're not careful, then the love starts to just ebb, ebb away slowly. And yeah, the metaphor is you're much better off just if you feel a slight draft, just put another log on the fire and, <laughs> and, and create more warmth and create more feeling. And <clears throat> And then it doesn't mean that from that feeling, if there are things that you need to talk about as a couple, you can, but you do it from that feeling. You don't do it from a sense of if, wouldn't it be, you know, I, I, I need you to be more like this to do those running. Well, I need you to do more. Okay, well, if you do more of that, I'll do more of this. And it's like, it goes in, that's where you start to just problem solve your relationship. And if you're not careful, you lose you lose the feeling. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that if there are things that you need to discuss, that you can't have some clear agreements about things in terms of I don't know, responsibilities in the home or with the children or whatever it might be. But the feeling you do it from becomes the becomes the key. And I really like. I think that's really true. The person I was sharing with today, she goes, oh my God, that is so true. <laughs> that's the risk of what you end up doing is sort of the, you know, the running repairs. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have any other? Well, the only one linked to that, I suppose, was just that, I think what goes for me, what goes with that, and I think we've probably touched on this before, but is that I suppose the whole point of everyday being, in a sense, and that that um, understanding of our of our true nature and of who we really are, really at the heart of this, and this is hard. I'm not saying suggesting that I I experience this the whole time. But what you do see with that is that actually you have no need of anyone else for your own happiness. Yeah. Now, it doesn't mean that we don't rely on other people. I mean, I think that's where this whole sense of the separate self, you know, because there's so much, you know, if we didn't have other people that are doing things, then, you know, we wouldn't. We wouldn't be able to live and survive and so on. So there is definitely something about this sense that we're constant, we're totally interconnected, 
with so many other people and we rely on so many other people. And that's fine. But but I think it's when we then start to think, I need I need you to be like this for my happiness. That's I yeah. think that's really corrosive in relationships. And I think that is one of the most corrosive aspects actually is that it, it sort of goes back to what we where we started very early on in a way Gareth with the outside in inside out because what that's yeah, saying, yeah. that's very outside in that's saying I need these things in my life or I need people in my relationships to 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 be like this for me to feel happy and yes. I think that is so untrue and it's it sort of becomes about you it's, it's quite um it's quite insular actually it's quite sort of selfish in a sense because it becomes about what i need from someone else for me whereas when you have no when you have no need of anyone else your responsibility is who do i want to be in relation to that for that to them for me <laughs> So you're doing it for yourself as an expression of who you want to be in connection mm-hmm. to them. And they they then are free to be whoever whoever they are. And if you think of it in a way, Gareth, that that is sort of unconditional love. That's the description yeah, of unconditional yeah, love. Yeah. You're, you're, which I guess we probably all experience more clearly often with our children, where you know, we at our best, I think we love them without any sense of of, of need from them or who or who they need to be we can love them for who they are and and accept that they will make their own choices and do their own things i've already said before my two girls both smoke which i wouldn't want them to do but it's like well i said i said to grace my younger i said you know does that mean i i should I not love you because you you don't quite meet my need because we we're talking about a, a relationship in her life and it's like no of course that that's that's not right that's not that's not true love I love you you know despite the fact that you'll sometimes do things I don't particularly agree with <laughs> and can I be open and honest with her but yeah absolutely but but I can do it from a place of of, of freedom and no sense of obligation or judgment i can just do it as a genuine you know wouldn't want you to i think there are health issues to do with it and, and so on but at the end of the day you know it's your life you're you're free to sort of make that choice so i think having no need doesn't mean you can't be open and honest about things but again i think it's the feeling that you come from becomes becomes key because I think like you said earlier sometimes people know if if the feeling's off actually yeah 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 and and I think that 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 I, just thinking about it the the unconditional love part actually was got very close to sort of Flaherty's model of trust freedom to expect and uh, freedom to express <laughs> and respect yeah, actually, I think that's some of the things that you're describing in that conversation with Grace. Then, aren't, isn't it? I think that's that's great. Yeah, yeah, because it's almost like it's the good. I think it's the goodwill. Actually, I don't don't know that he necessarily just he may have done, but I think it is the goodwill. Actually, that often if there's mutual trust, freedom to express and so on, there's sort of goodwill. There's a flow of goodwill 
And I think you're right. You could argue then that becomes quite a loving feeling that you have to 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 the other person. It's it's almost like you connect. I think it's actually so think about it because you sort of connect it that that deeper level of that we're all the same. I think maybe that's what it is actually. I hadn't thought of it like that, but maybe that's the you're connecting at that that true self the true self that intelligence behind life and yes of course of course that's going to be loving because it it, it's you in effect (laughs) it's a different manifestation of you that's lovely So I think it, it might have strayed into a number of other areas. Maybe we've strayed more in into relationships, but uh, but uh, you know, ultimately, this is still coming from thinking about conflict and our sort of our, our second second part and second reflection on conflict. I think there's sort of four or five things that we've we've shared there. Steve has gone gone through that expectations and agreements and particularly thinking around okay what's the what's the intention what's the impact and you know where is the sort of you know if there is a mismatch between the things how do we how do we surface that shared as well Flaherty's model around trust freedom to express and, and respect and and thinking about which one might be an opportunity to increase in the relationship that can that can help and can deal with with conflict mm-hmm. thirdly what's the extent to which actually there is you know are, are we and and actually you know it starts with us you know am i connected to this moment to the other other person uh, you know and that very last point i think it, it, it fits nicely there about you know am i am i am i wholly present am i coming from my true self that therefore the the notion that that there is that there isn't the need from anyone there i us as individuals have no need for anything else mm. and the role that unconditional love and also i think inside out plays um and i think one of the things that you know maybe sort of summarizes all of those things or is certainly a theme for all those those things is Ultimately, if we can allow the wisdom and the intelligence behind life to surface in those conversations and come from a a great sense of being, I think those things can have really powerful, positive impacts on conflict situations and in the relationship. Yeah, yeah, completely agree. And I think another thing, sorry, that just came to mind as you were summarising there was... I suppose often in relationships, we 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 want to have a positive influence on someone. So I think particularly probably you and I see this probably a lot in our work lives, where you know that's yes. part of it in a sense, and that's you know very understandable, you know, because we're often having to get things done through influence and in our relationships with other people. And um, I think one thing that is really um, there's a sort of paradox at play with that which is that which i think is that if you want more influence be more influenceable (laughs) so if if you're in a relationship and you're willing to be influenced by the other person yes they 
will be more influenced by you. And uh, I, it, it, it was really coming up in some the, the, the program I mentioned um, I was doing last week because there's a lot of change going on in the, this organization I was doing it with. And, um, and so this uh, challenge around influence is, is going to be really key during this um, during this period of change. And, you know, and, and that's the point I was making, that that's the paradox, because if you're not careful what happens and there's a lot of change and there's a lot of people that are, you know, vying for positions and so on, is if everyone's just trying to be influence, influencers, <laughs> there's a real risk that you just end up with, you know, power battles in effect. And, uh, and then nothing, nothing sort of moves, nothing yeah. new is created. So I think, in a way, everything we've talked about everyday being, being that sort of grounded sense of self, confident in yourself, um, enables you to be uh, okay with uncertainty, okay with not quite knowing how things are going to play out in the future and, and having trust and faith in that. And then being able to just be present, be able to be engaged, to be able to clear in your own thinking and your own thoughts and things. But then be able to just part that and say, okay, but I need to get really interested in this other person and be really open to this other person and where they're coming from and what they're seeing and <laughs> what different perspective they might have. Because one, it's saying to you, well, your th the, the collective thinking is going to be better anyway, because, you know, that's the nature of thought is it's never, it's never objectively true. It's just, you know, a, a particular... <clears throat> particular thinking from a certain level of consciousness so being able to engage with someone else who might have a different understanding is going to add to the whole and the more you're able to be genuinely influenced by them and their thinking and the way they approach things one it will enhance your thinking but it will also help you see how your thinking can be complementary to their thinking and they are much more likely to be open to your thinking because you're open to their thinking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and your your focus is on what's the what's the best way forward in this in this situation, and that's not necessarily going to be your egoic thinking. It's going to be: is there an opportunity for something fresh and new to emerge here? Something more generative that perhaps neither of us thought of. Particularly, we're going through change. It might be that actually. You know, if we're both both really open, something might emerge, and we thought, "Oh my God, we never have never have thought of that actually." But it came yeah. out of that generative sort of space. So I think yeah. that's the, the other thing that was just, as you summarised, I thought was another aspect. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a lovely, lovely point. In order to be more influential, be more influenceable. Yeah, and I can certainly, you know, I, I really like that. I kind of it resonates. It's one of those things that it resonates in the negative, unfortunately, where you go, yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I know where there is a bunch of people that aren't particularly influential. Actually, if they were more the other, you know, influenceable, yeah. that would that would really, really help. And also, yeah. I can think about some things with me as well. So, no, I think I think that's a lovely, lovely place and a lovely place to probably bring the conversation to a 
close um so look i hope that is additive i think also it is for me very much expanding the conversation i think there's four or five six lovely things from there as well that hopefully are interesting but importantly uh pragmatic that you can be using in some of those tricky situations you may have or tricky relationships that you you may have so if it, you know, whatever it is that resonates, I'd encourage you to have a go, have a play, be brave, think about where you're coming from, being inside out, and notice what impact it, it has. As ever, we're really keen to hear what impact it does have. So please get in touch in the usual ways at uh, hello at everydaybeing.co.uk or everyday.being on Instagram as well. So please get in touch with some, some thoughts. Uh, thank you for your time uh, today. Thank you for investing time in yourself uh we really appreciate it and we will see you next time thank you very very much thanks very much thanks gareth